This is the Goalkeepers Union Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Goalkeepers Union podcast Between the Sticks. Me, Matt Beadle here, not with the regular voice of goalkeeping, but a new voice, a voice who I'm delighted to say is joining me for what hopefully won't be a one-off session here on Between the Sticks, but a voice who's been from Fratton Park to the San Siro, a few places in between, a multitude of caps for Bosnia, and now in the Premier League with Jordan Pickford at Everton. It's Asmir Begovic. Well, Matt, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, with you hopefully regularly on Between the Sticks podcast so I'm honoured I'm delighted do you know what it's been far too long that Rich and I have been sat across each other staring at each other's faces so somebody new is just wonderful yeah. <laughs> well I hope I can live up to that um, I know I've got big shoes to fill uh, with Richard's absence so I'll do my best okay well it's going to be the usual fare we're going to cover all four tiers of English football clean sheet club GK's on their way, perhaps some keeper capers, one or two chucked in there. But before we get to that, just a general chat really about you, your life. You're here now, up north with Everton. How's it all going? Well, it's been going pretty well. Listen, Matt, I think obviously it's been, I've been in the game quite a long time. Um, And obviously this is is another challenge for me to obviously be here and and compete with Jordan, but also, you know, help help the youngsters develop and, you know, give them a, a good person to look up to anything they need and and then of course and be a, be a presence in the dressing room but you know I still feel great I'm still enjoying my work every single day which is the most important thing I still want to push myself all the time and try and get better and try to learn and and hopefully have many more years in this game so um you know everything's going well like I said knock on wood I'm healthy I'm fit and um you know we're looking hopefully to, forward to a better season than last let's put it that way yeah absolutely and being back in the Premier League for you the hubbub of the Premier League. You spent a season in the Championship with Bournemouth. You've been, obviously, in Serie A with AC Milan too. People always talk about the Premier League and the product that is the Premier League. 30 years of the Premier League, you hear it before and after and in the middle of every single game that we're watching at the moment. Do you feel a difference when you're in the Premier League or is it just another game, another season, another club? It's, it's quite funny. You, you mentioned my, my loan spells away um, abroad. I think... I got so used to the Premier League that it was just quite normal to me. You know, you go all to, to all these amazing stadiums, you know, you play in these amazing games um, and all these amazing players. And then you go out on loan and I had some amazing experiences with Carabag and obviously AC Milan and AC Milan maybe being, you know, one of the best clubs, if not the best club I ever played for. But that showed me a different side to football. And obviously you had different, different levels of football and different ways of playing football. And then, of course, having a year in the championship – which was so enjoyable because I played so many games and, you know, it was a lot of fun. But then you come back to the Premier League and this is, you know, I think the best the best league in the world. And it's the most competitive league. It's the fastest league. And it's, it's, a, it's such an amazing product. And to be competing with these players every single day and, of course, the goalkeepers in our little goalkeeping group, for me, is what it's all about. So I think the longer you can be at the highest level, and I think for me it's a huge ambition and motivation to, to compete with these guys day in and day out and, you know, I've got a newfound, I wouldn't say appreciation for the Premier League, but definitely having seen other leagues, you can see why the Premier League is watched by so many people and, and obviously, in most people's opinions, the best league in the world. And you are, like we said, you're 
I suppose we, we can't say you're vying with Jordan Pickford for the number one spot. He is the, the outright number one at the moment for Everton. So appearances for the past couple of seasons, we've seen in the cup competitions, great appearance, great game performance, I should say, at Hull last season. A couple of corking stops in the FA Cup. And then uh, this season, one outing so far against Fleetwood in Very the good. AFL Cup, correct? Yeah, you know, and I've realised my situation. Um, when I had the call from Everton last summer, that was that was the plan. You know, you're going to be number two, one to compete. I said nothing's given. Of course, everything has to be earned, and even Jordan's position. And like I said, all the other factors too in terms of the group and, and development of the other goalkeepers. So it was one I relished. You know, to be here at such a historic club, big club, the future as well of the new stadium coming and at the time Rafa Benitez world-class manager now we have Frank Lampard world-class name legend of the game and it's Marcel Brands Alan Kelly working with him every day he's been great and Marcel obviously was director of football at the time so that caliber of people when they call you listen and for me it was at the end of the day it was a no-brainer especially after my time at Bournemouth I was told there was no future there for me anymore so it became crystal clear for me to move on and I moved on very happily to this to this new challenge. But, you know, for us as goalkeepers, it, it can be difficult because only one plays. And there's probably a clear situation as to what it's going to be. But at the same time, I'd be the first to knock on the door if I saw an opportunity. But fair play to Jordan. He was our player of the season last year. He's performed week in and week out. He trains every day. Um, and he knows if, that he, if he opens a door, someone's there, you know, ready to take that opportunity. So... I think it keeps him at the highest level, keeps me at the highest level because I want to push and then it pushes on everyone below us as well. That is the beauty of it as well, isn't it? I was gonna, that was going to be my next question, I guess, is that challenge and the fact that as a number one, you want to stay there. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but as a number one, you want to stay there. But for you to go to the club as a number two, do you relish that challenge that you, you know, that's your fight to dislodge the number one there, to dislodge the England number one, who will probably be the number one at the World Cup in Qatar in just a few months' time. But that challenge for you, do you do you really relish that? Do you enjoy that? I do. One of the things I've, throughout my whole life, uh, before football, or during my professional career, competition for me is big. You know, if I'm not competing with someone, if I don't feel the fire every day, if I'm competing with myself, competing against, obviously, other other goalkeepers, other players. For me, it's, it's a big, big motivation. and something that makes me look after myself, makes me want to get out of bed, makes me want to go to train and give 100%. And that, that's always something that's really fueled me. And if you look at my decisions throughout my career, taking the challenge on it with David James at Portsmouth and then overcoming that, taking the challenge on at Stoke with Thomas Sorensen, taking the challenge on at Chelsea with Thibaut Courtois, Gigi Donnarumma, you know, at, at AC Milan and now with Jordan, it's, it's something I really thrive off. It's something that makes me, you know, have that fire in me, gives me that motivation, you know, make, really gets my juices flowing. So it's something I really relish and absolutely not everyone's like that right everyone has different mentalities different reasons for why they do what they do but for me that competing competitive factor is huge great caliber of goalkeepers that isn't it you just reeled off there yeah we'll pick up all the names later <laughs> off the floor but <laughs> yeah no I've been very lucky okay well hopefully we'll get into plenty more of that over the coming weeks but for now between the sticks with Asmir Begovic shall we get on with the show let's do it Okay, so starting in the Premier League, but not a specific game, which is what we normally do. We will do that and speak about these respective games in a moment or two. But there were three incidents at the weekend involving goalkeepers that were potentially contentious 
regarding their decisions. Now, the first two aerial challenges, one involving Bernd Leno, one involving Edouard Mendy, one resulting in a goal being given, the other resulting in a goal being disallowed. And then the third incident from Edison, who kind of had a Karim Benzema, Loris Karius episode with Odson Edouard of Crystal Palace. On that occasion, the goal didn't go directly in from Edouard. It ricocheted to Jordan Ayew, who put it in. But that goal also disallowed. Now, many pundits had an issue with this. What's your view on all three incidents? Well, I think let's let's start with the first one, which is probably the easiest one out of all. Uh, I think the Mendy one, absolutely clear foul. I think he was bear hugged. Was it Harvey Barnes? Wasn't he? When <laughs> <laughs> how we been disputing this one? He's I like know. wrestling with him. He's like on his arm. So if that's not interfering with with the goalkeeper, then then nothing nothing is. So I think that that's a crystal clear one. Definite definite foul. Um, I think with Leno. You know, one, I, I I think that was a correct decision in the end. I don't think there was a foul. I think you almost miss hit the ball. I think obviously when there's a lot of traffic, people around you, easy easy to miss it. And I think that was an, that was an unfortunate one for him. Probably one they'd like to have back. But Ederson was quite complicated because you have to fair play to the referee for making a decision so quickly. And I saw the analysis on match today after, and I thought Genus was pretty good. He still had the ball in his hand, I believe. So I think if he still has it in his hand and there is an interference with his with his distribution, then it's a foul. Obviously, if he had let go, and he talk about the Karius Benzema one, then I think it maybe maybe stands. So quite a bang bang play, but I think you know correct decision in the end. How is it, those decisions are or those moments are funny because when you rewatch it, Edward's so close to Edison, right? And I think. It was Gary Lineker, I think, who yeah. said, well, look, he's, you know, he's just, or the commentator even, he said, oh, you know, he's, he's just by him. He's, he's not done anything wrong. But he's, he's actually stuck out his leg as well, yeah. hasn't yeah. he? So surely there has to be an element of space between the goalkeeper and attacker. Well, surely, yes. I mean, obviously the law is that if he, if mm. he does impede you and, and doesn't let you carry out the action, then of course it's a foul, like anything on the pitch. But it was quite close. Bang, I don't think he meant to sort of foul him. It was a bit of a cheeky sticking out of the leg, mm. trying his luck and... Maybe on another day it gets given, and then obviously then you have to hope for VAR or something to overturn it. But it was a bit of a risky play by Ederson, I, I have to say for sure. I, I, you know, I wouldn't want to cut it that close and leave it to the referee's interpretation and as to what happens. Okay, you mentioned VAR there. We won't talk about it too much, but obviously listeners to the pod will know my opinions on VAR. I press Richard all the time, and he loves winding me up about it. Can I ask you about VAR and your, your general opinion? on how it's been implemented into the game. Well, Matt, I'll take it back, right? So my member of NVR was discussed to be brought into the Premier League. You know, we had a couple of meetings at the HQ of the Premier League and some senior players, captains and everything. We had a discussion on it. And the reasoning behind it was that at that time, we were looking at three, four, five years ago, referees were getting just over 80% of decisions right. So VAR was never going to make it perfect, but what they were trying to do was, can we make more right decisions? So by that help, that by that helping hand, can we get to 85, 90% of right decisions? There was never going to be perfection. I think that's maybe something people thought, well, we're going to get every decision right. don't think it was. So I think just to, that's one for the referees, just to kind of back them up there. Uh, but in general, I think it's used relatively well. But of course, there's going to be human error. There's going to be some decisions where it's a little bit on on your own personal interpretation, opinion on it. So it's never going to be perfect. Let's put it that way. Okay, good answer. 
I'll take that. Go on then. What's your reply? No, no. I, listen, I think I've bleated on about it far too much, to be honest. I just think there are inconsistencies. The, the big issue for me is we're basically, we should have eliminated conjecture with decisions as a result of having VAR. The referee doesn't make the call. VAR should then be black and white. That's the decision. And everybody should go, okay, that's fine. But what's happening is that we're now having conjecture about the conjecture. So it's almost like, do we need a VAR, VAR, like a double VAR to, to look after the VAR who looks after the referee? Because ultimately, it is interpretation to a lot of decisions. And I just, I don't know, I'm old-fashioned in that sense. I just like the game to flow. In fact, I listened to... Peter Schmeichel on BBC Radio 5 Live a couple of weeks ago. And he was saying he liked an imperfect game. And I thought that was a good way to put it. He liked the conjecture. He liked the disagreements, the discussion, because football's an entertainment business and that's that's why yeah. we love it. Yeah, well, we won't dwell on this too much, yeah. right? <laughs> but, the, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm more of that ilk, right? Like, listen, football, human element, human error. Let's move on, right? Like, it's a talking point for the guys in the pub, guys and girls. Um... But obviously with the stakes being so high, that's the problem. Yeah. So 80% of decisions being right is not good enough anymore. We have to get to 90. Because people's lives, the stakes of promotion, relegation, every result now, being every place in the Premier League in the season being worth so much, the stakes are too high. Now the difficulty of us implementing VAR is that, as you rightly say, football is a very free-flowing sport. You know, when they use it in America, now sports is quite stop-start. So it doesn't make as much of a difference or impact on the game as it does on football. So how to keep the game free-flowing, how to keep it, you know, great for the eye and the neutrals and the fans and everyone that obviously consumes it, and at the same time still getting the decision right is, is obviously a tricky balance to find. Okay, we'll move on. Let's move on. Yeah. To, the, <laughs> to the Emirates, Arsenal 2, Fulham 1, and Burnt Leno back at his old club. Nearly a year to the day, incidentally, always seems to happen in football and in goalkeeping, actually, since he lost his place to Aaron Ramsdale, Returned to his old club. Unlucky to be on the losing side, I think. Very unlucky with the equaliser from Martin Odegaard, which was similar, in fact, to Bernardo Silva's goal, wasn't it, for Manchester City facing Vicente Guaita for Palace. We'll speak about that in a moment or two. But a good performance from Leno. Pretty solid all round, I thought. Yeah, very solid. I mean, listen, when you go to the Emirates, you're going to face a lot of pressure. And I thought he stood up to it really, really well, made some great saves. I mean, the, the, the block on Saka... Saka was nice. I mean, he, he did some really, really good things. Very commanding performance. Very unlucky with the goal. First goal, no chance. Second goal, maybe he can go and take everything, take the ball, take all the players in front of him. Maybe he was just a little bit hesitant. But overall, a fantastic return for him. And you know, on, on another day, maybe they nick a point, and it's a brilliant result as well. What's that been like for you in the past, going back to old clubs and facing your old team? Never straightforward. Never straightforward, depending on obviously how you left, on what terms you left. I think he was a very good servant to Arsenal. So I would imagine the reception was positive. So I think his return was positive. If you leave on not so good terms, it can be a little bit more hostile. Um, and that's, those are probably not as enjoyable. Obviously, if you win, I'm sure it's great. But they can be mixed, you know. Um, I've been in different... Well, actually, no, I've always been left on good terms. So my, my, my returns have always been quite pleasant. But never straightforward in the fact that you see everyone, old faces, people you know. You just want to focus on the game and obviously let let all that other stuff be, be handled at the end of the game. But, you know, they're, they're never straightforward. 
Okay, Chelsea 2, Leicester 1. Edouard Mendy, a couple of very good stops in this one. The first, the block style save from Castagna. And then right at the death, I mean, your opinion on this. Did he get a touch to that, Aosi Perez, right at the end, a bit of a tip over? We are a goalkeeping podcast, uh, Matt, <laughs> so uh, he definitely got a touch, didn't he? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, definitely. Good performance from him. Very good performance. Um, I thought he was very, very solid. Um, you know, play to play crucial parts in that result. Um, and one action, actually, I really liked, maybe doesn't get as much of the attention, is his one-on-one versus Vardy towards the end of the game. You know, I think... Comes out quick, he stops, and then makes the striker do something else. Makes it makes himself difficult to beat. Because if Vardy's straight on, you open up something, he puts it past you, it's a goal. Whereas, no, you know, he stood, made himself big, made him go wide, made the finish more difficult for Vardy, and of course, made him miss. So again, for me, those, are, those actions sometimes are just as good as a save. Won't be shown in any stat sheet. We as goalkeeping people will know that he played a huge part in that miss. The stat sheet, that's the difficult thing as well, isn't it? Again, something we speak about a lot, but the stats breaking down a goalkeeper's game into stats. I know it's getting better with XGA and various other stats that are out there and now goalkeeping analysts who work independently with clubs. But as a goalkeeper, is that something, does it, does it annoy you or do you just you just get on with it when, when people talk about stats and, and clean sheets? Because we're a goalkeeping podcast and we have the clean sheet club, so we focus on clean sheets and it's not always about that, is it? Yeah, I mean, listen, we're, we're in 2022, right? So, of course, statistics, technology are going to play their part. Um, but it has a time and a place. Listen, first and foremost, still to this day, from the day I started, and for the next 20 years, it's, it's a game that people play. So no one, no technology is playing the game for you. You're still playing the game, and especially for a goalkeeper. You still have to analyze the person. You still have to analyze the goalkeeper, how they play the game with your own two eyes. Because we talk about Mindy right there. That was probably the most important action of that game because if you if you let in a two-two and, and right at the end of the game, maybe it wasn't his fault, but it's it's something that he he played a key part in preserving that win. You wouldn't see that on the stat sheet like we talk about, but you see it with your own eyes. So you understand the effect Mendy had on the game, and of course, you, you, you there's many things as a goalkeeper in terms of your presence, your communication, things that you can't analyze that are very very important to how the game is played, and of course, within any team. So I think the XG, everything, it all has a part, gives you an idea, but should ultimately never be the main reason you make a decision. on anything. Okay, and Danny Ward, we should mention, really, really good save from Raheem Sterling. He's got big gloves to fill, Kasper Schmeichel departing yep. to Nice. But that save from Raheem Sterling, which wasn't noticeable on first glance, I think, only on the replay, you saw him just getting that toe to it. Brilliant save, brilliant save. Um, great for Danny Ward to be getting this opportunity. I think he's... He's definitely paid his dues, shall we say. Now he gets, gets a chance to be Leicester's number one. Um, and I think performing better and better each and every game and made a great save, a really, really good save there, um, which, as you rightly said, didn't, couldn't see it at first glance. But after, you know, you really see how good of a save it was. So, you know, something we'll, we'll talk about probably as the podcast go on, but he kept everything in play. You know, your, your legs, your feet, your hands, because you never know how you can make some saves. And obviously just sticking his toe out makes a crucial save there. Yeah, the orthodox save or the unorthodox save doesn't exist, right? There is there is no unorthodox save. Exactly. I mean, you know, we're watching all these highlights and we'll talk about some saves even in this pod. Keep everything alive. Keep your hands. Never give up on anything. You might have a trailing arm or a trailing leg. You leave something out there and just as slight as it touches these days or any time can make a big difference. And the last of those opening three games with the incidents that we discussed is Man City 4, Crystal Palace 2, 
Just your thoughts on Edison's start to the season. Obviously, you know, an indomitable number one at Manchester City has been a pillar of that team for, well, the season since he arrived. I think it was 2017-18, I think it was. Your, your, your opinion, because there are a couple of moments like we've discussed, the first one, and then there was also one where he raced out and wasn't able to hold on to the ball. Just your, yeah, your opinion on Edison's start to the season. Yeah, I think he's always he's always been relatively solid. Listen, I think when you're Man City, it's difficult for a goalkeeper. Like he plays a different role. You know, he plays a huge role in in in, their, in starting up attacks, his distribution being very much part of the build up, um, and maybe he doesn't have to be as good of a shot stopper. For the fact is, he doesn't save. He doesn't have a lot of shots to save. You know, Man City are in control of most games. They'll control possession, so he has to play a different role now. That incident that led to the free kick for for Palace, he doesn't need to go. It makes it difficult because he's he's so close to the edge of the box. Maybe he's thinking in his head, "Do I hold it? Do I push it?" So he put himself in put himself in a difficult position to um, having to deal with that ball. But overall, I don't think he's been a fault at any goals. I don't think he's obviously had to really save Man City from anything because they're they're so free flowing and scoring that it doesn't he doesn't have the same pressure maybe sometimes that other goalkeepers do. Now in the big games, as Man City, you know when they're competing for trophies, you know Ederson will play his part, and I'm sure he, you know, he will continue to do so as he has done over the last few years. Okay, the City ground, Nottingham Forest nil, Tottenham two, and Dean Henderson or Dean Henderson and his hat, I should say, <laughs> like a cricketer waving oh, it around, yeah. like he just oh, reached that, the is century. That what it was is a cricket <laughs> reference because I was like, why is he doing that well, with the hat? I said, what is that referring to? Well, I mean, I don't think it was an intentionally uh, a cricket reference. That's, I think that's what some of them do, isn't it? When they reach a century or a half century, whatever, they right. either raise yeah. a bat. I'm not a huge sometimes... cricket guy, so I can't yeah. say. Yeah. Well, me neither. But I, think I they... guess a golfer, they tip their hat, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I, I don't know whether it was a head loss moment, just caught up in the moment, or the adrenaline you could see from the celebration. Of course, we're talking about the save from Harry Kane, the first Premier League goalkeeper actually to save a, a penalty from Harry Kane, February 2018. Can you remember the last one? My goodness. <laughs> We've actually spoken about him very briefly in the podcast already. Casper? No. Right, right first letter of the surname. Goodness me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm <laughs> longing this out. Sorry, a Liverpool goalkeeper. There you go. Carius? Carius. Yeah, really? Lawrence Carius. Yeah, a 2-2 draw. I think, I want to say he hit it down the middle, but I don't know whether that was one that Mignolet saved. But yes, Carius, the last... Premier League goalkeeper to save the Harry Kane penalty. That long. There's been about 14 or 15 penalties since, I think. But yes, good save from Dean Henderson. And lovely to see the pair of them after the game having a bit of a, a bit of a laugh, a bit of a joke about yeah. it. Fantastic save. Fantastic save. Listen, you know, he deserves deserves to make that save for the way he, you know, committed himself to the to the save and whether it was homework, whether it was a bit of luck. Obviously there's a bit of history between the two with the England thing. Um, so they would have obviously been in their, well, I guess in each other's heads really mm. for the penalty. And Dean came out on top. It was a moment that meant a lot to him. And I'm fortunate that Forrest didn't get a result, obviously, to really justify that save. But, um, you know, a nice moment for him, no doubt. And over to the Brentford Community Stadium, of course, where Everton drew one apiece, your boys. Let's, I mean, you were there, so you have a far better take on everything that happened in that game. David Raya. And Jordan Pickford, both with good saves, both good performances. Yeah, really high intensity, a high pace game. Up and down, high tempo, you know, lots of chances, near misses, good saves, both goalkeepers, you know. And I think probably a fair result in the end. I think both teams had chances to win the game. Both teams were their luck at times. 
both the goalkeepers have thought played really, really well. So um, really entertaining game. And Jordan at the moment, I guess your your take on his start to the season or just working with him as a goalkeeper. He really, after, I mean, I guess, only a troubled season from the perspective of fans and pundits alike, I think. Everybody within the game knew that he had the ability and would overcome whatever it was, a patch of form that he needed to overcome. But the past, I don't know, 18 to 24 months, he's been very, very good, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Well, ever since I've come in, really, you know, we've enjoyed working together. And, you know, what I see is a top quality goalkeeper, top professional and someone who, um, you know, has obviously played at the highest level for a long time and someone who I think can still do it for the next few years. So I've enjoyed working with him. What, what happened before me, I, I don't know and difficult for me to comment on. But um, like I said, he was one of our key performers last year. You know, I think our whole department was really good in that and um, he's carried that into this year. It's been very solid for us now, taking a bit more of a, senior leadership role within the group as well with you know he's that's coming out of him now in that respect so you know he's he's doing really well kind of feel like he was born to be a leader jordan pickford yeah he's got a big personality you know he's got a big voice someone who like i said i think relishes a little bit of that, that pressure and responsibility so it's nice to, nice to see it all coming out okay so the amex brighton one leads nil i just wanted to talk about ian melier and robert sanchez because we really do have a great pool of goalkeepers in the Premier League now. And we're seeing goalkeepers like Melier, who 21, 22 years old, very young. And we're just seeing them blossom and improve season upon season. Absolutely. Um, two good young goalkeepers on display. You know, I think well-established now. They've played quite mm. a few games, both of them. Uh, so both doing really, really well, you know, making that, making those spots really their own. And in two really good situations to continue to develop. You know, sometimes goalkeepers tend to make moves a little bit too fast, whereas the two really good clubs, goalkeeping departments, where they can continue to grow, make the odd mistakes, learn from it, develop from it, and um, hopefully have big careers. And Southampton nil, Manchester United won. David De Gea, I speak about him a lot on this podcast, as you would for any Manchester United goalkeeper, but bouncing back from that Brentford defeat with two clean sheets, two very strong performances. Almost a clean sheet against Liverpool. Sorry. Almost a clean sheet. Oh, yes, sheet. sorry. Not a clean sheet. Almost. One clean sheet. Good. Thanks for calling me out. Oh, I only know Nothing that my, fan, my fantasy team, I have more Salah, so I, uh, I remember. Oh, do you, do you play fantasy, do you? I do indeed, yeah. I do, do indeed. Really? So do a lot of goalkeepers and footballers play fantasy? I think a lot fantasy? of players do, yeah. Really? It's just a bit of fun um, okay. on the side. I'm more into the American sports fantasy, but I try and keep on top of my Premier League one as much as I can. Um, oh, there you go. So there you go. It's a fun stat. But no, David De Gea, listen... What does there to say about him? You know, he's a world-class goalkeeper. You know, obviously, they had a tough two games, but a lot can change in a week in football. I mean, goodness me, look at that. Everyone, the whole team, a bunch of um, nothings 10 days ago. Now they're, you know, six six points in, in six days. So, listen, um, he's, he did, he's done really well in the last couple of games. Really solid performance, a couple of good saves here and there, and um, doing what he does best. I was mulling this over, actually, after the Liverpool game. In terms of the way he set himself out, against Liverpool compared to, you know, nine days before against Brentford. We saw this man, his demeanour, we saw him in the interview after the game. He just, he seemed down. We spoke about it on the podcast. And then nine days later, he's like a new man and he's performing in the way that he is. What is that? And I'm sure, you know, you might have been through something similar in your career. Is that something that you specifically work on? Is it a, a, a switch that just flips in the middle of the week? How does it, how does it work? Well, I think, listen... And you guys have discussed it on the pod before, and I'm sure we'll discuss it more. 
probably number one thing for a goalkeeper and we talk about XG, all that kind of stuff that it doesn't measure that is it's the mentality of a goalkeeper. It's the mental strength that you have to be a top-level goalkeeper, especially at that level. You know, we're there in the Premier League, you're under scrutiny, maybe Man United, the biggest club in the world, arguably. So you have to live with that. I think one bad game is one bad game. It's nothing more, nothing less. You know, what you don't want to do is obviously make it two, three, four, five. So I'm sure what he did as a top professional, take that game on the chin. He obviously owned it, took responsibility for it. Whether reasons, I don't know, only he will know. And um, you move on to the next one. And what a top-level goalkeeper does is you take that one bad game, you throw it in the bin, and you move on and you know perform like you did in the last two. So that's just the way it goes. It's part of the profession. It's what we have to deal with. But that mental strength to just be able to compartmentalize these things is, I think, incredibly important. Okay, now regrettably, we go over to Anfield, where Liverpool won 9-0 against your old boys, Bournemouth. But let's focus on three very good saves from Mark Travers in this one. Actually, prevented it from being 10. Would have been the first Premier League goalkeeper to have conceded 10 in one game. But a good save from James Milner late on. The three good saves, let's talk about those. But also, just being a goalkeeper who concedes nine goals. I mean, you haven't experienced this yourself, but a tough day at the office. Yeah, it, it's 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 a brutal day, right? It's a brutal day because to be on the end of a scoreline like that is never is never a nice experience, um, as you rightly say. Unless you've lived that experience, it's difficult to comment on it. So, you know, you hope that again, it's one bad game. You put it in the bin and you move on. And whether he's going to get that chance or not, whatever's going to happen going forward is difficult. They've had a tough start to the season: Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. Not what you want <laughs> to start the Premier League season. So he's definitely not been. Um, gently put into any any anything here but um difficult day he made some good saves but you know when you're under that much pressure when you're under the the cost the whole time it's it's only human nature not to be perfect there's going to be some things that he probably he would have liked to have done differently and he's going to analyze and get better from it and learn from it but difficult day the whole team under so much pressure liverpool with a point to prove everything that went in anfield Probably a Bournemouth team that's not quite where it probably needs to be. They're, they're going to make some signings, I'm sure, next three, four days to strengthen that team. Quite a young back line as well. So all the ingredients for a very difficult day. As a lad, Mark Travers, his first full season in the Premier League, you've worked closely alongside him. Good lad, good goalkeeper. Yeah, really good guy. One of the best. You know, we had some great times. We worked together, obviously, for a good four years on and off at at Bournemouth, he was on loan, I was on loan, so doing different things. But we, we pushed each other all the time. And I guess, you know, now he's got his opportunity. I hope it continues for many, many more years. And he's got a big future in the game. There's no doubt about that. And the last game, or the last point I want to touch on in the Premier League was Wolves 1, Newcastle 1. I noticed this. Now, whether he's been donning this type of clobber before, I'm not so sure. But Jose Sarr, with the monochrome, which is good. I know a lot of goalkeepers, a lot of footballers like that, being all one colour. So they match their boots up. But yesterday I saw, so Jose so I had the, the pink top, the pink shorts, the pink, pink socks. purple, what was what, it? What, yeah, it was sort of a pink pinky mauve yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of colour. Do you have a preferred colour as a goalkeeper, <laughs> to be fair? Do you, do you have a certain colour that you like to wear? Uh, I wouldn't say I have a preferred. I quite like black. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why, but um, green's the usual standards. Green and yellow, you know, you'll see every season one way or another. Okay, well, he had all of that, the whole ensemble, the, the boots as well that were the same colour. But it appeared to me that he had some kind of skins on as well, some Under Armour that were the same colour. First time I've seen that, I think. 
Yeah, it's becoming more modern. Obviously, a lot of guys wear them for training. Um, I've seen a lot of goalkeepers not wear them in games. I think Allison does. Or it does in the winter. I mean, more common in the winter when it's cold. In the summer, in the mid- middle of August afternoon. Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely, you know, I guess difficult or... I don't know. Different territory. Different territory. I'm gonna to have to ask Connor Cody about this. You know, I don't know if he's if he's done it all the time, but definitely an interesting look. Yeah. Can't call them tights anymore, can we? Because they're very much a part of the game. I don't know as well. You might be able to answer this. Is there something within the rule book that you have to be wearing the same colour as well? So. I think so. It must be. Yeah. You gotta wear the same colour tape, so I imagine the actual leggings have to be same the same color i mean i've never worn them myself um, i don't even know how i mean with the shin pads you could put everything on it's just a bit too much fuss for me really <laughs> but works for him so what can we say into the efl overview starting in a championship of course where tim Krull was Tremendous, if not a little fortuitous, apparently, according to the commentator, in a win for Norwich over Sunderland. Fantastic point-blank save from Duncan Ross onto the bar. Burnley battering Wigan, but Ari Murich conceding and subsequently a penalty converted in what ended up being a consolation penalty in the process. Interested to get your thoughts on that one. And Jordan Amisa, worth a mention here for sure, on for his Sheffield United debut under the lights at Kenilworth Road with Wes Fodderingham injured late on. A good tip over from Cameron Jerome. Very good tip over. Um, again, impressive the fact that he came on in a difficult situation. He come on in the second half like that after been sitting there for most of the game. And, you know, it's not never easy. Never easy to come in um, and to handle the occasion so well. Makes a really good save. Nice strong hand. Nice tip over from Cameron Jerome. So, handled his debut really well. I think he was only in loan, non-league football. We were talking earlier, spending more. Yeah, yeah. So, that's a big step. That's a big step. Very impressive. Yeah, good goal queen. Good to see him in as well. The the penalty, Ari Mucci. Do you think that's a penalty or not? I think it's a penalty. Um, whenever you commit yourself in the box, you have to be 100,000% sure you're going to try and get the ball because if you don't, strikers these days, they're quite clever. They leave their foot in there and make contact with you and then obviously gives the referee a decision to make. And as soon as you do that, you're, you're in risk of running a penalty. So I don't think... He needed needed to go. Did he need to commit? I mean, by the time he takes that touch, he's still quite far from you know from from the goal. Still got a lot to do to score. So I think if he stays in his goal, maybe it gives his defenders a bit more time to come back and help rescue the situation. So overall, I think a difficult uh, moment there for him, but obviously it didn't matter too much for Burnley. And that cruel save, nothing fortuitous about that at all, right? That's an excellent save. Yeah, I mean, commentators, I love commentary corner when you guys do the pod, so that, that, those are great, those are fantastic. That would go right in there for that one, but, um, you know, the footwork across the goal, very, very impressive. That's the speed, he gets across, very, very good, makes, him, makes himself big. You know, he obviously made that movement on his own merit, so there was nothing fortunate about that, and when the ball hits you, a little bit of luck, maybe the fact that it's a crossbar and goes out, you never know where the ball is going to go. But really, really good save and obviously a key save for them because it helped them get the win. Into League One, Brad Collins diving right to deny Kane Vincent Young as Barnsley eked out a point at Ipswich. Standard Michael Cooper shout, we talk about him all the time. Bolton's Amadou Bakayoko, the latest victim of his prowess. Plymouth were 1-0 up at the time as well. So a crucial stop, they went on to win 2-0. Jojo Wallacott with a, I like to see these, one post to the other, 
Double save scampering across his line to preserve a point for Charlton at Wickham. Lewis Wing and Gareth McCleary kept out on that occasion. And finishing on, I suppose we can say a couple of funnies. I think we can. First, Cole Rushworth bullet-heading a Danny Andrews effort away from danger. Lincoln and Fleetwood sharing the spoils. That was, yeah, quite the moment. And the second funny, and it can be a funny because Cambridge won the game. We've got one of these. Bada-boom, bada-bing. It's only a keeper-keeper. Dimitar Mitov just caught out by Burton's Yasan Ahadme when attempting to clear. But like I said, doesn't matter. They won the game. It can be completely forgotten. Yeah, I mean, he needs to forget about that one quickly. Obviously, a difficult moment. I guess he underestimated how fast the striker was because he took the touch forward right into the path of the striker, really. I mean, normally, if you feel pressure coming from one side, you take the touch to the other and give yourself a chance to, to clear the ball with as little pressure on you as possible. So the fact that he took the touch to the striker gave him a chance... So one I think he'll want to forget very quickly. I want to touch on the Jojo Wallacott save because that's something that you train a lot on in training, right? You practice that a lot, one from one post to the other. Well, I think I want to touch on both saves individually. One, The first one, what I really loved about it is the fact that he held his ground. You see a lot of goalkeepers, and I always say this, stay within your goal. If you, can, if you take a step or two forward, there's every chance the pace on the ball will beat you which is where the whole cliche of the near post nonsense comes in, is the pace of the ball will beat him. The fact that he's a yard or two back gives himself a chance to react. Then you have to trust your reactions, the speed of your reactions, and you make the save. So fantastic positioning first and foremost, where we talk about, oh, is positioning so important? That's where it really is important because a yard or two forward struck at that pace, the ball maybe is past you before you can react. So first, great positioning, great reactions. And then the second save again, we talk about Tim Crow. Jojo Wallacott, great feet across the goal, great speed, and then you make the save however you know, however way you can, and whichever way you can. So the fact is it was a little bit unorthodox for sure, but certainly did the job. And we have to mention Rushworth. I mean, we talk about orthodox and orthodox saves, but that was incredible. It was rifled at his head, but just stood firm. <laughs> I mean, whether he intended to head it away or not, I don't know. He took it well. <laughs> no, he took, I mean, when I, when I was watching the highlights and obviously I was like, Man, that's a good save. And then you see, oh, okay, made it with his head. But he stood, didn't even go down to ground, took it really, really well. So that was impressive. And into League Two, finally, Tom King flexing all his clout to claw over from Arthur Reed. Salford levelling up on points with early promotion pushes Stevenage. And Corey Adai copying the work of Wallacott, actually. A 91st Crawley team playing a 92nd placed Rochdale team. And the pair playing out a draw. Probably a predictable result, I think that. But not before Adai stuck out a decisive foot to keep out Liam Kelly. The initial save from Devante Rodney. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first save was a good save. Maybe went into the central area, which he could have maybe done differently or not. But it went there. Most importantly, reacted really well with the second save. I mean, to stick out his foot and leg. And that speed again. Incredible reactions and a really nice double save. And as a goalkeeper, I'm keen to know this, a professional footballer, you're, you're quite well versed, obviously, on goalkeepers, as a lot of goalkeepers are. I think it's more so for goalkeepers. But your knowledge of the EFL, of leagues abroad, is very good. Do you watch a lot of football? I do watch a lot of football. Yeah, it's, it's been my passion. Like Ever since I was born, really, football, goalkeeping has been in my family. Um, so I watch a lot of football when I can. So we spend a lot of time travelling in hotels, so it's quite natural. But I love the game, I love the position, I love everything about it. And I try to, you know, I've played in all these leagues as well. So I try to keep keep on top of all clubs or friends in the game. I've got my own goalkeeping brand. So you're looking at goalkeepers who are endorsing your product. You want them to do well. So you follow how they're doing. 
So naturally, it all comes to watching a lot of games and watching a lot of goalkeepers and knowing what's going on. Clean Sheet Club. Yes, it is time for what is normally Richard's favourite part of the podcast. So Asmir, you said you don't want to take his thunder. Rather no, no, yeah, the rich would be devastated if I took that over. So that's his thing. No, I could never replace him. <laughs> it's time for this. Okay, starting in the Premier League, David De Gea, Vamos, Robert Sanchez, three in a row, Alisson on the board, Tim Krul in the Championship, getting into the groove, Jack Bonham, first start of the season, Ryan Alsop, fourth clean of the season, Freddie Woodman, we've run out of sirens, trumpets and klaxons, Super Six, Joe Lumley taming the Lions, Victor Johansson, Swedish Miller, into League One, Lucas Jensen draws galore, Jamal Blackman all white on the night, Jamie Cumming on the board, Mark Two, Michael Cooper, no blooper, Josh Griffiths, Lone Ranger, David Stockdale, successive shutout. And finally, League Two, Paul Farman, Barrow's best boy, Harry Lewis playing every game, Arthur Okonkwo, Guna save all your shots, Thomas Holy taking the brunt, Nick Townsend on the board, Mark Three, Jonathan Mitchell first since the opening day, Tom King, Bonami and Ross Doohan, a super white army couldn't hold him back. Right, a bit different when you read your own notes. <laughs> Good effort, that. Well, that's fantastic. No, I, I've got to work my way up to that. That's it, that's it. You'll be on it soon enough. But let's talk about the table because I'm going to keep it as just one name until he stops making clean sheets. Quite remarkably, another nil-nil draw for Preston at the weekend. Freddie Woodman, new club, new season, six clean sheets in a row. Good for him. Good for him. I mean, that's the way to start at a new club. And I made a brave move, like leaving Newcastle, going to Preston, really challenging himself, going on a permanent deal as well. Fair play to him. So he deserves the recognition he's getting now, deserves his results, the clean sheets. Um, obviously, the manager, I'm sure, can sleep well at night knowing he's in goal. So uh, that's that's been a brilliant effort to start a season. And starting a club to finish with a start, when you go to a new club, how do you feel when you go to a new club in terms of finding somewhere to live, bedding in with the teammates, making sure you hit the ground running like Freddie Woodman has done. Obviously, that's important, but so many elements to joining a new club, aren't there? So many elements, Matt. I mean, it's, it's difficult, right? And, you know, if you're a younger pro, maybe a little bit less less so in the fact that maybe you have a fa- not have a family, so there's, there's maybe less factors in making you comfortable. But if you have more factors, it becomes more and more tricky. Um, but you have to be professional at the same time. You know, no one really cares about those sides other side of things so you have to really perform right away on the on the on the pitch obviously in the matches in the training ground and on the training pitch so I think a lot of factors go into it but he's done really really well and obviously a good thing he did was the timing of it he came in giving a preseason so he had a good preseason to get himself going get acclimatized to everything that's going on around Preston get to know his teammates his goalkeeper coach and everything so really smart move and it's paid off for him so far good stuff well I think that. Is us done, pretty much. Good start, I think. I think it's a great start. That was a good first yeah. episode, yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Looking forward to the next one. That's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, the next one will hopefully not be too soon. Perhaps we might slowly just start to replace you fully. <laughs> I didn't say it. I'm joking, Rich. I'm joking. No, no, no. Joking. Nothing we wouldn't tell to his face. Anyway. <laughs> it's all good. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me and um, giving me this opportunity. And uh, looking forward to having some fun with it. Well, Asmir, thank you. Uh, thank you. 
This has been the Goalkeepers Union podcast. Between the sticks, keepers. Away. <laughs>